My name is Keith. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, they don't let me preach very often, but they're letting me preach this morning. Uh, so we're in Hebrews. So if you want to take your Bibles out, you can turn to Hebrews and open your apps up. Uh, kids, you have an activity sheet. Look at this. Isn't this nice? You got an activity sheet in the bulletin. And uh, here, I have, I have candy up here. And uh, I asked my kids, I said, what would be helpful when listening to a sermon? They're like, to get candy. So I, I said, all right, so we have an activity sheet. And if you fill out this activity uh, sheet, kids, right after the sermon, I'll just come off the stage here. You can come running up to me with your activity sheet, and I will, uh, I'll give you a piece of candy. It's real easy. The first thing is just a word tracker. Every time I say the word milk, put a little dot by the word milk. Every time I say the word meat, put a little dot by the word meat. Same with Bible and the word baby, those four words. And then I just want you to circle the word that I say the most once the sermon's over. So you got to count the little dots there and track how many times to say those four words. And you also have two little blanks to fill in for our main passage in Hebrew. Uh, Hebrews there. Uh, and then also, I would love to see two pictures. One of a little baby drinking milk from a bottle. And then also a picture of an adult eating a piece of meat of your choice. Um, so go ahead and uh, you can start working on that, kids. There's this kid's book that's out there, and I know some of you have it in your home because I have it in my home. There it is. This book uh, is called Love You Forever, and it gives me the heebie-jeebies every time my kids want me to read it to them. I think it's the creepiest book out there, and I don't think it should be, and I know some of you right now are giving me weird looks, because especially you mothers, you've read this to your kids, you know this book, and, and my wife feels the same way. She's like, it's such a sweetest, cutest, wonderful book. And I'm reading it, getting completely weirded out. Here, here's what happens, in case you don't know the book. So there's this mom who has a, has a baby, right? And, she, and the little baby cries and you know, has diapers to be changed. But yet she picks the baby up and she rocks it back and forth, singing it this uh, lullaby. She writes, uh, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living. My baby, yeah, Simeonki, you guys know it, uh-huh. All right. So, uh, and this is cute. This is wonderful. This is a very great way for a mother to show love to her baby. But the baby starts growing up and becomes a toddler. And, uh, you know, toddlers do drop in the watch and the toilet and pulling everything off the shelf. But still, at night, she sneaks in the room and he's sleeping and picks him up and rocks him like a little baby and sings to him her lullaby. And it's, and it's really cute. And everybody's like, oh, you know, everybody's about crying at this point of time in the book. You know, the baby's really bad, but mom still loves the little baby. But then the baby turns out to be a teenager. Just, you know, maybe 10 years later, he's a teenager now. And this is where it gets creepy. Because you know what's coming next. She still goes to the bedroom at night, and if her baby, teenager, if he's still sleeping, she will pick him up and rock him just like she did when he was one years old. And it doesn't stop there. It actually goes one step further. I couldn't believe this when I was reading it for the first time. It goes one step further. This teenager becomes a full-grown adult. And he moves out of the house like full-grown adults should. That may be the, the one thing you take away from this message. I'm joking. But moves, moves across town, and he goes to his own house, buys it, lives there, but yet still. I'm, I apologize for how creepy this sermon's getting right from the beginning. But yet still, there are some nights when she gets in her car, 
drives across town, gets a ladder, climbs in his window while he's sleeping, and picks him up and sings him that same lullaby. I don't know about you, but that creeps me out. Like, I'm all for, like, mothers showing their adult children love. But can we do it in a less criminal way? Like, this is breaking and entering. Like, you should be going to jail for this. If my 59-year-old mother, I probably shouldn't have said her age, but if my, if my mother would come into my room in my house at night, and I would wake up to find myself looking into my mother's face as she rocks me and is singing a lullaby. Oh man, I can guarantee you from every night out, I would be locking all windows, be locking all doors, I'd be checking under the bed, I would be looking in my closet, I would probably not sleep for the first two hours I'm in bed. Scared of my mother. It's not great. It's not good at all. Look, babies is, are cute when they act like babies, but when adults are treated like babies or start acting like a baby, it's no longer cute. It's actually frightening. It's embarrassing. It's disgraceful. I want to show you a picture of my little girl, Mika, my miracle baby. She's 10 months now, and she's eating pizza. This just happened this week. Uh, I actually ended up, I, I wonder sometimes if I shouldn't like just install a corner shower in my kitchen so I can just wheel her in there and get, just spray it down. Uh, it takes a lot of work to clean that up. But it's cute. We're all like, oh, it's so cute. I'm probably going to put that on Facebook later. You know, it's so cute that my 10-month eats pizza and her green slime juice like that, right? But I guarantee you, if my oldest son, David, who is eight years old, if he would be looking like this after eating pizza, I would rebuke him. I would say, this is ridiculous. You're eating like a baby. This is not how an eight-year-old should eat. This is not the maturity level that you should be at. And rightfully so, he deserves to be rebuked. Now, luckily, my, my son, David, is an awesome eater, and he actually eats a lot of meat, and I'm very proud of him for that. Um, but maturing, it's an important part of becoming an adult. And today, as we look at the book of Hebrews, we find ourselves in this passage where the author is rebuking his listeners for being babies, for being immature, saying, this should not be happening. Now, the author's hope, and this is my hope also, is that by this correction, we here will be motivated and become more diligent in becoming spiritually mature. Because sometimes, let's just get honest here, sometimes we get lazy in the faith. And we don't take serious action on the truths that God has given us. So this morning, what I'm hoping you get out of this is that it'll be a wake-up call to mature in the faith, a wake-up call to seek maturity, to look for maturity, to study God's word for the wisdom and discernment that maturity needs. So let's go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 5. We're looking at verses 11 through 14 this morning. And I do want to remind everyone that we preach the truths of the Bible here not because we as pastors have fully understand and applied these truths. No, sir. Uh... We preach scripture here because we know that it is true and that it transforms lives. But we as your pastors, we're still on this journey of making this a reality. I, I say that for this sermon because I noticed that some of you were snickering when you saw that Keith was preaching a sermon on maturity. Um, I actually kind of laughed too. Uh, I, I have a lot of growing to, up to do in my life. But um, don't we all? 
And no matter where you are on your spiritual journey right now, and no matter how mature you are in the faith, I still want you to be challenged to seek after maturity and become more mature in your faith. But before we read this passage, can we just take a moment and can we just bow our heads and can we just ask the Holy Spirit, just a simple prayer, ask the Holy Spirit that whatever this scripture, the truth of this scripture holds that I need in my life right now, that the Holy Spirit would make it very clear. Um, So let's just go ahead and bow our heads and you can have a little conversation with the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that your spirit would be working in our hearts. This scripture holds a lot of truth and has the ability to change us. So help us to apply it. Help us to take it seriously. Help us to revere your word with most, utmost respect and sincerity as we look at it. We love you. Thank you for your kindness and your patience as you work with us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to pack this uh, passage verse by verse. But let's go ahead and read the passage. Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through 14, the author says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone teaching you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So let's unpack this verse by verse. Here we go. About this we have much to say. About what? What, When he says about this, what is he talking about? Does anybody remember what uh, Kelsey preached in his sermon last week? Anyone? Anyone know? Ooh, does anybody want a pack of Smarties? And we know, yeah, what did, what did Kelsey preach about? High priest, yes. I don't know who said that, but came over that direction. It's coming over there. Ugh. Yes. I apologize, our custodians. That may have exploded. Uh, but yeah, the high priest, right? Jesus is our high priest, right? And that's what happened. Um, and he's in the middle of this topic, and all of a sudden he stops preaching about Jesus being our high priest. And he says... About this, about Jesus being the high priest, uh, we have much to say. There's more to say. And actually, if after this passage, he'll continue talking about Jesus as the high priest. But he's taking this little trail because he's saying, about this, we have much to say. But there's a problem. It's hard to explain. Now, he goes on to say, the problem actually is not that it's difficult. It's not me. It's you. It's not that I'm having a difficult time explaining this. The problem is, is that you are dull of hearing. The reason right now that this is hard is because you're dull of hearing. So let's talk about this. Since we're unpacking these verses, what does it mean to be dull of hearing? Have you ever had that told to you before? I don't think I've had, you know, I've had other uh, smacks in the face verbally by uh, insinuating that I'm not hearing correctly. Uh, But I don't know if I've ever been called dull dull of hearing. Well, it's not a good thing. Uh, it's dull. It's, not, it's, not, it's the opposite of sharp. It basically means, when you look at the word, it means that you are bad listeners. It means that you're actually really immature. You can't hold still. You can't, you can't, you can't get any of this stuff in you. 
Um, and by being bad listeners, what happens, you can't even swallow the basic, easy truths like sinning is not good, so repent. Like put your faith in God, believe in him. And, and actually the author goes on in the beginning of chapter 6 to mention uh, a list of these basic truths that he's talking about. Um, but sadly this morning we can't go into chapter 6, we don't have the time for that. But these dull of hearing people cannot understand the deep truths about God and faith because they haven't really ever accepted and lived out the basic stuff. Like the basic truths of the faith. Here's a, here's a real obvious principle. It applies to many areas of life. In order to understand the hard and difficult things, you first have to understand the basics, right? And the problem with dull of hearing is that you have not even understood and applied the very basic things of the faith. Therefore, I'm trying to talk about something complicated like Christ being a high priest, and it's not working. Because you guys are not where you ought to be spiritually. You should be ready for this, but you're not. Now, in verse 12, he goes on to explain the dullness of hearing and how it affects them. Verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, the, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Now, the oracles of God, that, we don't use that phrase a lot, but that's basically the message of God, the word of God, the teachings of God. And guys, I know this sounds harsh, I mean, he's basically calling them out pretty uh, abruptly and says, this is ridiculous. You're not where you should be. And I know that it appears harsh, but if you can just see his kindness in this, do you guys know how frustrating and hard it is to try to explain something to immature people? Nod your head if you're a parent. Yeah. And oftentimes, when we're trying to work with someone who's an immature person, we just want to walk away and get frustrated and say stuff like, well, you can't fix stupid, you know? But, but really, in, in reality, when you take time to help an immature person understand something, like, it's kindness. So I want, you to, I want you to see the author's kindness in this. I want you to see God's kindness in this passage to us this morning. You know, on, on a side note, I think that the Bible often gets a, a bad rap and because it gives all these commands and it's always telling people what to do. And one complaint against the Bible is, why isn't it more lenient? Why is it so black and white? Why is it such an abrupt command or such a strong warning? Why can't there be more gray ears? I, I, wish, I wish everyone in this room have had a, a good experience with a really good coach. Because unless you've experienced authority in a positive way that has actually helped you, then it's really hard to understand the tone of the Bible and why the Bible is written the way it's written. I'm just curious, how many guys out there would say you've had a coach in your life, sometime in your life, that um, helped you out immensely, took you way beyond what you personally could have been because of their constantly getting at you and helping you and walking with you and stretching you and pushing you farther than your limits. And you look back and you're like, wow, that coach was hard, but that was the best thing. I went way beyond what I could possibly do. Raise your hand if you've had a coach like that. Good. So about half of you know what I'm talking about. A good coach will say the hardest things to you. 
and you actually take it as kindness. Is that not right? When we have a good coach, we take it as kindness and apply it because you know this coach cares deeply about you and wants nothing more than to see you succeed and become amazing at what you're doing and is willing to say the hard things if that's what it takes to get you there. We need to see God through these lenses. We need to see his passage of scripture through the perspective as we unpack it of God saying, you should be better. You should be way farther along. I'm not okay with where you're at. And take it as kindness. And start to understand why the Bible is so direct at times. Because that's the most loving thing that could happen if we find ourselves in the same situation where this, the Hebrew listeners found themselves. So let's look at verse 12. Let's unpack it. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Guys, one thing we see right away, we see this right away, that if you are spiritually immature, that not only affects you, but many others. Look at that verse. It doesn't only just affect you, it affects many others. Let's take an obvious example. Fathers. If you are spiritually immature, your children will be pretty drastically affected by that. They will not have the mature teaching of scripture, the mature teaching of prayer, the mature example of what it looks like to follow Christ if you yourself aren't there. I mean, one of the major benefits of being mature in the faith is the fact that we get to teach others. And if you're dull of hearing, if you're immature, then all those around you that you should be teaching, they're missing out. They're not getting that from you. Because you can't even eat the solid food. You need milk because you're not taking the basic truths of God seriously. I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful for Pastor Dwayne. He's been a lead pastor here, I think, 22, 23 years, something like that. But can you imagine how different our lives would be as a congregation if as a young man, when he was drinking milk, learning about God, digesting the simple truths, repentance, faith, Jesus being our Lord, uh, striving to, to, to do our best for Christ. If at that point in time, if he would have spit the milk out and would have been like, I don't, I, can't, I don't like this, I can't handle this. And instead of drinking the milk of the basic truths and digesting and letting it satisfy him, if he would have spit it out and said, I don't want this, I mean, he would have never became a pastor. And if he would have became a pastor, he'd be a very immature pastor and not really to feed us the meat that we get from him on Sunday mornings. I'm really grateful for a pastor that chews on meat and delivers meat. And you can't do that if you are immature. Now, I just want to clarify something. When the author uses the word teaching, you've got to understand that word is not like strictly preaching or classroom, ABF, kids ministry. Teaching is just really, it's the better translation of what we use today is, is mentoring. Everyone who's mature in the faith should have people that they know below them who are newer in the faith, new believers, that they should be helping to grow. That's just what the Bible teaches. That's, it's called discipleship. It's called mentoring. Um, and that's what the author is talking about. By this time, you all should be helping new believers. Instead of helping new believers, you actually need to be taught again the real basic stuff because you've forgotten it. And the reason you have forgotten is because you never actually applied it. And you eventually forgot it. 
If you don't apply something, you're going to forget it. And then what happens is, I'm trying to give you these deep truths, but you don't even understand or remember the basic stuff, and it's like trying to feed a baby a piece of steak. It's not working. It's not working. Let's go to verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. All right, what's going on here? Word of righteousness. Let's look at that. What is the word of righteousness? All right, we're talking about the message that makes us right with God. So it would be the gospel. It would be the, the message of salvation. Um, it's God's plan to save us through the high priest work of Jesus Christ. And we see here that their lack of maturity has actually has made them unworthy to even walk in the gospel. They're not living in a manner worthy of the gospel. They're to be skilled in the message of the gospel. They're supposed to know this message like the back of their hand. They're supposed to say, yes, I know the gospel. The gospel is 101. It's the basic. All Christians know the gospel. This is, this is very easy for me to unpack for you. But they weren't. They were very unskilled. They didn't know what to do with it. You guys, I want to clarify that the skill we're talking about is not the skill of theology that comes through more education. We're not talking about these people needing more education. I'm for education. I went to a Bible college. It was very helpful. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the problem here is that, is that it's not that they didn't get enough education, but rather when they received the basic principles of truth about God, they didn't act upon them. And they didn't apply them to their life. The truth didn't change their perspective on life and the decisions they made. They were unskilled with how salvation even works, how repentance looks, how faith in God looks, because they didn't apply them. They were not even drinking and digesting the milk. They, weren't, they, they had it, and they were looking at it, and they might have even been saying, ooh, this milk looks really good, loving it. But they weren't actually drinking it. They weren't actually digesting it. So it, was, it actually became a moral problem. It is your moral responsibility when you hear truth to do something with it. Can I get an amen on that? It is your moral responsibility when you hear truth to do something about it. Do you take that responsibility seriously? Do you take your moral responsibility to know and understand Scripture seriously? Guys, some of our struggles in life are simply out of our lack of maturity in the faith. It's crazy, but it's true. Some of our struggles in life that are just a struggle where we're having a hard time getting through and it's so heavy and it's so difficult are simply due to a our immaturity in the faith. We've not taken the basic things, the basic truths of God, the basic stuff, the stuff that you learn when you first become a Christian, and we've not applied it to our lives. And I don't know what those struggles are for you, um, and that's what the Holy Spirit is for, showing you what those struggles are, and hopefully motivating you in this moment to seek after maturity. Guys, we have to grow up in the faith or we will be in great danger. We will be in great danger. Guys, immaturity actually leads to great danger. 
people have fallen away from the faith because of immaturity. What we're talking about here is very uh, serious. Look at Ephesians 4, 13 through 14. This is what it says. We must all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of fullness of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children. And what is a child? Look at this. Tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Do you see what's happening here? Do you see the warning? How many of us in this congregation jump here or there, whatever people are saying and believing, because we have such limited amount of truth to actually compare things with? Someone says, oh, the Bible says this. Oh, really? Well, let me do it. And you don't even have enough biblical knowledge in your mind to actually compare it to say, that's correct, or like, no, that, is, that does not match with the biblical text. Some of us here get caught up in all these new doctrines. Hey, a new doctrine about God, a new doctrine about marriage, a new doctrine with about how to handle this situation, a new doctrine with how the church should look and what the church should be doing. And that wind blows our way, and we're like, ooh, kind of feels good. feels refreshing. I like the way that new wind of doctrine feels. And since it feels good, and since it feels refreshing, and since it feels like something that is new, you're like, hey, I'll take that in. You just kind of go with the wind. But the problem here, that in reality, we are being deceived by other people with agendas. That's what's happening. People are twisting the word of God with agendas to get you on board with their new wind of doctrine. And if you do not know the Bible, and if you do not study the word, you are going to be blown around like the wind. You are going to be immature like a little child says, oh, that looks good. Oh, that's sparkly. It is the individual's responsibility to know and understand the Bible. All of us in this room, it is our responsibility to know and understand the Bible, which will lead to our spiritual understanding and maturity so that we as a church can actually faithfully live out the mission God has given us. Do you understand that if you're spiritually immature, even in the fact that we're trying to live out a mission God has given us to be the light of the world, to let our community know the gospel, to represent Christ well so they get a picture of who Christ is, your spiritual immaturity affects us all as a church. It's your responsibility to make sure that you know and understand Scripture. Now, it's the church's responsibility to teach you, as individuals, the Bible and the truth about God. And that's why we gather every Sunday morning. That's why we at Fairlawn, we preach out of the Word of God. That's why one of our core values is gospel-focused teaching. Because we understand the importance of the Word of God and you maturing as a Christian. But we can put milk and meet before you all day long. But unless you drink and eat and take that responsibility personally, teaching will do you no good. Our children's ministry, I'm really proud of our children's ministry. They're going through the Bible twice. From, from is, it, is it first grade to sixth grade? 
or five, fifth grade, sorry, uh, first grade to fifth grade, they're going through the Bible twice. We believe children's ministry should be teaching children the Bible. I love the youth ministry. We believe that the youth ministry should be about teaching our young adults the Bible. Why do you think ABFs exist? Adult Bible Fellowship. What that means is that after we preach sermons, we gather in age demo, uh, the same age demographic groups, and we talk about, here's scripture, now we have a personal responsibility to apply it, to know it, to understand it, to make it happen. So how do we do that for our age demographic? How do we do that as young parents? How do we do that as elderly people? How do we do that as teenagers? Does that make sense? All right, let's go to verse 14. Let's unpack verse 14. And guys, this is where the author gives the remedy for dull of hearing, of imma- for immaturity. So if you're sitting there and you're like, well, okay, so maybe I'm immature. Okay, so maybe I need to grow more in the Bible. Maybe I'm not taking my, my personal responsibility of knowing and understanding Scripture seriously. What do I do? Well, this is what you do. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So how do we get from milk to meat? How do you grow? Well, the answer is right here. It's called developing spiritual discernment. And it's really what we call maturity. Is when you can see something and you can be able to see this is good, this is not good. This is right. This is wrong. This is pleasing to God. This is evil. Discernment is powerful. Probably the best way I could describe discernment is this theological grid, or you can call it a worldview, or you can look at it as like putting on glasses, and it clears things up, and you can say, oh, now I see what's going on. That's called spiritual discernment. And how do we develop this discernment? There's four things I want, I want you guys to look at from, from verse 14 here. First, believe and apply the basic truths of the Bible. Drink the milk. That's why these people weren't mature in the first place. The basic things of God. God loves you. They didn't believe. They may have said they did. They said, oh yeah, oh yeah, I know God loves me. Oh yeah, I know a church is important. I know faith in God is, is uh, the center of my life. I know that stuff. We're not talking about a head knowledge here. We're talking about actually drinking it, actually letting it satisfy you. That's good. Give me some more of that. That's good. I want more of the basic things of God. Believe and apply the basic truths of the Bible. They're actually not that hard to comprehend. But it does change the way you live. And the second thing is, diligently study the Bible. Constantly have an appetite for the Word, allowing it to be a major influence in your life. Holding it as the standard where all other truth has to be compared to. So you know what actually is legit and where you're actually being deceived. And then number three, constant practice Constantly practice making every decision based on the truth of the Bible. If you look at verse 14 there, I love that. The powers of discernment trained by constant practice. 
You're trained. It's something you're actually equipping yourself in. You're trained by constant practice. What are you practicing? Well, you're practicing constantly praying and seeking the Holy Spirit and allowing the truths of God's word to deeply affect every decision you make. What you're practicing is this. Oh, I have a choice to make. Hmm, does anything I know from the Bible affect what decision I make here? Oh, there's something I could be doing over here. Is there anything from the Bible that should be affecting my decision here? Oh, look, there's somebody I could date. Is there anything from the Bible that's affecting my decision here? Do you get what, and, and, through, and through, by doing that just with the milk, just with the basic stuff. Huh, I'm feeling lonely, I'm feeling depressed right now. I don't think God loves me. That's popping in my head. I don't think God even cares about me. And they wait, whoa, 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 whoa. It's milk. This is milk. God loves me. That's, that's not something I have to figure out and decipher from the Bible. That's something that's very plain. Maybe I should just believe that and, and just assume that my feelings right now are lies. Maybe I should drink that and just be satisfied and, and really dwell on the fact that God loves me and allows me to make a choice here of what I do with those lies. And if you do that through constant practicing of doing that, you will develop spiritual discernment. And discernment is so powerful, it helps you make uh, those thousands of instant decisions based on the truth of the Bible. Our need for discernment is tremendous in the everyday life of the believer. Now look, you don't need spiritual discernment, whether you should go murder that person over there. Okay? It's, the Bible's very clear about that. You don't need spiritual discernment if you should go rob that, that person over there. Okay? That's not spiritual discernment. That's plain, obvious truth from the Bible. But there are thousands of decisions that we make every day that are not explicitly mentioned in the Bible. Where should I live? Should I own a gun? What movie should I watch? What music should I listen to? How should I spend my money? What do I do in this situation? So what are we going to do to answer those questions as we live life? What college should I go to? How should I treat my wife? How should I raise my kids? I feel like when it comes to those two things, there's a lot of things missing in the Bible. I wish the Bible gave a little bit more information there. But what we need is spiritual discernment. With spiritual discernment, you will be able to distinguish good from evil, right from wrong, best from not as good. And then you can start actually handling, check this out, the more difficult truths of God and the more difficult situations in life. You become more effective in your mission to go be the light of the world. And not only find satisfaction in the complication of these deeper things, but you can actually then help other believers, new believers, weaker believers say, hey, I can actually help you. I've been there before. I've been there before. Let me help you. Let me give you an example about how this works um, with maturing and understanding the difficult things of God, a.k.a. eating the solid food. One of the most basic principles of truth in our faith is that Jesus is our king, right? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. He's the boss. Uh, we live for Jesus. We serve Jesus. We, we, our, our, our hope is to give glory to Jesus. Like, that's our aim, right? It's basic. It's the basic thing you need to understand. But if you can't, if, if you're, but if for a believer who cannot swallow that truth, they choke on that bottle of milk, for that believer, they will find themselves very self-centered. 
And when the deeper teaching happens about pick up your cross and follow Jesus, that's a lot harder to understand. Wait, wait, I'm going to get hurt if I, I might get persecuted? Like, Jesus might allow this hard thing to happen to me? Like, that's harder to, that's, that's, that's chewing on some meat right there. And if you're choking, well, let's just say this, it'll be a very negative reaction. You as a believer will have a very negative reaction to the message of pick up your cross and follow Jesus because the believer is self-centered and has not been able to keep down the bottle of milk that's simply called Jesus is better. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if you find yourself in a state of dull of hearing, immature in the faith, where even the basic principle of God, you've forgotten, you don't, even, you don't even know them anymore, you're just lost. You're choking, on, you're choking on milk, you're trying to hear, you're sitting there, you're like, these guys say stuff, they preach, it's just everything's over my head, I have no idea what they're talking about. And guys, I, honestly, I could go on and break down the importance of daily devos, the importance of being in the Word every day. I could, I could make a strong case right now why making church a high priority is, um, should be a huge part of your life um, for spiritual maturity reasons. I could tell you the importance of having Bible studies as a family together, but I'm not going to go there. Um, what I'm, I'm trusting that the message of this scripture, that you're going to be mature enough to ask the Holy Spirit, what needs to change? For me to keep growing? Am I really taking seriously my responsibility to know and understand the truth, or am I kind of susceptible to believe all these lies around me and actually fall into deception? And I will say that as I've prepped for this sermon, I myself have made some changes under conviction to my life. So I, I felt convicted with that responsibility for myself. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the kindness of your word and the way that you call us out like this through your word. God, we need this message. God, I, I feel like we so often just want to be spoon-fed or just want to take what we can when it's easy and we don't diligently study your word and we don't take our responsibilities seriously. God, I pray that we would be a church of mature people that can chew on meat, can understand the difficult things of God, can do difficult things for you, God. Because we've drank the milk, we have found it satisfying, and we have worked our appetite and understanding to the deep things of you. God, take these, the scripture here of Hebrews 5 and Put it deeply in our hearts so that we will not quick forget what you're doing in this room. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.